You're listening to True North with Pastor Gary Cottle of Gary Cottle Ministries on today's edition. It's likened unto being sedated. The word sedate means to calm someone or make them sleep by administering a sedative drug. Can I tell you that the American church is sedated by our own prosperity? We have lived so long in the lap of luxury that we have become disengaged from the fight. We like to be comfortable in our prosperity and we say we are rich and increased with goods and we have need of nothing but Jesus rebukes the church and says, you don't know that you're wretched and miserable. Some medical procedures require you to be put to sleep with anesthesia. When you're under the influence of those drugs, you're totally unaware of what's going on around you. In today's teaching, Pastor Gary shares that something similar can happen in your spiritual walk. You can be spiritually asleep, oblivious to what's happening. He urges you to wake up and take notice of where you are in your walk with the Lord and what is happening in the world you'll learn that you should take a stand for God and His way. Now here's Pastor Gary in the book of Amos chapter 6 as he begins his message, What It Means to Be at Ease in Zion. Okay, Amos chapter 6, verse 1. Woe to them that are at ease in Zion and trust in the mountains of Samaria, which are named chief of the nations, to whom the house of Israel came. Again, woe to them that are at ease in Zion. I want to preach to you this subject, what it means to be at ease. Woe to them that are at ease in Zion. Zion symbolizes for us the place of victory and conquest for the child of God. Many of the Psalms that were written were saying as the God's people would ascend to the Mount Zion or to the hill of Zion where they met to worship the Lord. And so Mount Zion was like the stronghold of Israel. It was the place of worship. It was the place of power. It, it really represented the height of what we would call a Christian experience in the Old Testament era. For us in the New Testament, it would symbolize for us what it would mean to live in victory, to be in a place spiritually where you're on top of the mountain, amen, where, where your enemies are under your feet, where you're not living in defeat, amen, but you're living in victory, okay? And the Bible speaks to God's people here in the book of Amos and says, woe unto them that are at ease in Zion, okay? Now, I think that it's important for us to understand that what God blesses you with is worth defending. What God blesses you with is worth fighting to keep. Can I get an amen? And God's people, it seems in their text, had it so good for so long that they got comfortable and they let their guard down. And so they got at ease in Zion. It got to the point to where they didn't have to work so hard for their freedom to worship. That they didn't have to work so hard to obtain because they felt like that they were already at the height of their success. Where else would there be to go? And so they got comfortable. 
And I think that this text in the book of Amos describes for us the condition of the majority of our churches around the world, but specifically in America, where we are, as it were, at ease in Zion. We have gotten too comfortable. We have relaxed. We have got to the point to where nothing seems to move us anymore. We, nothing seems to disturb us to the point of action anymore. We're just at ease. The phrase at ease is also a military term, is it not? Those of you who have been in the military, what do you do when they give the command at ease? You get in a position of relaxation. Am I right? Okay. The Bible says, woe unto them that are at ease in Zion. That means woe unto us who are in a place where we're supposed to be, but we're out of place in our heart. We are, we're not alert anymore. We're not paying attention to our surroundings anymore. We, we let our guard down. So I want to try to explain to you what that means. What does it mean when we're at ease in Zion? Okay. First of all, I want to say this. God did not call us to be cozy. He called us to be in combat. Amen. God did not call us to be cozy. He called us to be in combat. Whether you realize it or not, if you're saved by the grace of God, you are in the army of the Lord. Amen. You're not in the nursery of the Lord to be pacified and spoon-fed and babied and pampered. Amen. You're in the army of the Lord. That means you're a soldier. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And I'm sorry, but we got too many wimpy Christians today that fall out over getting their feelings hurt over the least little thing. And the truth be known, they were just looking for a way to get out. It really didn't offend them. It was just a convenient excuse for them because they weren't really plugged in to start with. Amen. But I say God raised us up some Christians today that are willing to fight, that are willing to engage, that are willing to live out their faith actively in the community and not just be riding on easy street. Amen. Not just be cruising along cozy and comfortable and not engaged. In the book of Isaiah chapter 56 and verse 10, the Bible says that his watchmen are blind. They are all ignorant they're all dumb dogs. I didn't write it, I'm just reading it. They cannot bark, sleeping, lying down, loving to slumber. Yea, they are greedy dogs, which can never have enough, and they are shepherds that cannot understand. They all look to their own way, everyone for his gain from his quarter, Come ye, say they, I will fetch wine, and we will fill ourselves with strong drink, and tomorrow shall be as this day, and much more abundant. Isaiah is addressing for us a major problem that we have in our churches today, and that's that pastors today are no longer preaching what thus saith the word of the Lord. They're preaching stuff that's easy on the ears. They're preaching stuff that brings comfort, but that does not bring conviction or change. Amen. And the Bible describes that kind of a preacher or that kind of a watchman, someone who is blind, someone who is ignorant, someone that is likened unto a dumb dog that can't even bark, uh, sleeping, lying down loving to slumber in other words they are at ease 
They're too comfortable. They're looking for a parsonage, a paycheck, amen, and friends and colleagues. They're looking for three hots and a cot, so to speak. They're, they're looking for an easy ride. But God, give us some men who will preach what thus saith the word of the Lord at any cost, amen, at any cost. Since when did we turn the pulpit into a career? Can I ask America that? Since when did we turn the pulpit into a career? Like we fill out a resume, amen, and we treat it like it's a career. Listen, it's not a career, it's a calling. And if you can't preach the Word of God, sit down and shut up and let somebody else preach that'll preach the purity of the Word of God. Can I get an amen? I'm telling you, I didn't come, amen, to rock you asleep. I came to wake you up. And the Bible says that we're at ease in Zion. And it says, woe to them that are at ease. That's not a good word. That means danger's coming. That means you need to wake up. You need to be alert. Do you remember the story where Gideon, Gideon was just a farmer. And God came into Gideon's life one day and called him to raise up an army. Do you remember that story? And Gideon had, I forget how many thousands of people to fight. God says, too many. One of the ways that they narrowed it down is they sent him down to the brook. And those that got down and drank by the brook like a dog, like this, with their face down. Remember what we just read about preachers that won't preach? The Bible said they're like dumb dogs that can't bark. Okay, and God said, Gideon, if they get down like this, then they need to go home because they're not looking around. They're not being attentive. They're not being alert. He said, now those get down on one knee and they're observant of their surroundings and they pick up water in their hand and they drink like that, but with their eyes open, those are the guys that you want to keep. All that to say this, you need to stay alert. The Bible says to be sober, to be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour and the church cannot afford to be at ease in Zion. We have slept until our country is just about gone. I'm convinced that the only thing that might wake up the church now is either a Holy Ghost, heaven-sent revival, or sudden destruction that causes us to lose our freedoms and that causes us to lose our way of life, and then we'll look up to God. But God help us to wake up as a church. Oh, we're too comfortable. We're too lackadaisical. We're too comfortable in our lifestyles, and we don't want to be inconvenienced. What does it mean to be at ease in Zion? It's likened to being sedated. The word sedate means to calm someone or make them sleep by administering a sedative drug. Can I tell you that the American church is sedated by our own prosperity? We have lived so long in the lap of luxury that we have become disengaged from the fight. We like to be comfortable in our prosperity. And we say we are rich and increased with goods and we have need of nothing. But Jesus rebukes the church and says, you don't know that you're wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked amen because listen there's no power in the purse there's only power in the blood amen and when we get back to the blood and we get back to Jesus Christ and we get back to holy living then we'll understand what the real power of God is oh we think that we're so wonderful but we don't know just how far off base we are what does it mean to be at ease in Zion it means to be sedated it also means to be disengaged. If there's not a whole lot going on outside of the church building, honey, 
Let me tell you, newsflash, there's not a whole lot going on inside either. If there's not a whole lot going on outside of the church, there's not a whole lot going on inside. Because we are the church. This building is not the church. We call it the house of God, but that is incorrect biblically. The Bible says ye are the temple of the Holy Ghost. That means He dwells in you. That means you can't get away from church. Church is everywhere you go because you're supposed to be the church. But somehow we have isolated church to a geographical location in a pretty beautiful building. And so we isolate this part of our life from the rest part of our life. And, and I'm just telling you, a church that is like that is a church that is disengaged and a church that is virtually ineffective, no good for nothing, like salt that needs to just be cast out and trodden under foot of men. And when we're disengaged... An unexpressed faith is a useless faith. Amen? An unexpressed faith is a useless faith. How do you transfer faith? What does the Bible say? Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by what? The Word of God. Okay, so that means it's a word, which means what? It needs to be spoken, and it needs to be heard. Okay? In other words, there's no way that we're going to win the world without opening our mouth and telling them. Well, I just believe, Brother Gary, that you can just live a good, moral, clean Christian life in front of them, and I'll be the Bible they only read, and I think they'll just come to me one day and want to know why my life is different. I'll get to lead them to Jesus, then I'll open my mouth up when they come and ask me. Listen, honey, that is not even in the Bible, and a whole generation has gone to hell over us believing that lie. If you're the only Bible, and if I'm the only Bible they read, honey, I feel sorry for them. Because I'm not Jesus, and neither are you. I don't live a good enough life for people to look at me and know the way to heaven. You know what we got to do? we got to point them to Jesus. You know how we're going to point them to Jesus? It's not, not necessarily. Now, listen, living right helps, but that's not, that's not the whole equation. you got to live right, but you also got to talk right. you got to tell them. you got to tell people about Jesus. Name me one person. Anybody. Is there anybody in the building? that got saved without being spoken to with the Word of God. Anybody in here get saved without hearing the Word preached, without reading it in the Bible, without an exchange of specific information about who Jesus is? Did anybody ever get saved like that? Okay, I rest my case. It needs to be taught. It needs to be preached. It needs to be spoken. And the church has become disengaged in the area of witnessing. Second Corinthians chapter 3 verse 2. The Bible says, Ye are our epistles in our hearts, known and read of all men. But my question is, could that be said of you? Known and read of all men. I understand that we have to be examples. I understand that. I, I'm just saying we can't rely on that alone. At some point, you've got to mention the name of Jesus. At some point, you've got to mention that it is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ that saves sinners. At some point, we've got to swallow our fear and open our mouth boldly and courageously, even if we're timid, even if we're shy, even if we feel awkward doing it. We need to learn how to be bold Christians that speak the Word of God and engage this culture with truth. All right, 1 Peter 5, 8, I've already quoted it, but it says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary of the devil is a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. You know that word sober means to abstain from wine. That is, 
to be discreet, to be sober or to watch. All right? So by the Greek definition, it means to abstain from wine. Webster says the word sober is the means to not be intoxicated or overpowered by spiritous liquors, to not be drunken. So watch this. We're reading 1 Peter 5 eight. It's giving us two words. Be sober and be vigilant. And I'm going to explain the difference between the two. The word sober means to abstain from external influences which may cause you to slumber. Because he's talking about wine, the Bible said, be not drunk with wine, wearing is excess. That is a natural external thing. That is a carnal thing, a fleshly thing. So when the Bible says be sober, it means not to allow external influences to cause you to fall asleep spiritually. What is in your life? And it don't have to be alcohol. It could be any number of things. What could be in your life causing you to sleep and to slumber spiritually? All right, then it says to be vigilant. The word vigilant means to keep awake, to watch, to be vigilant, to be watchful. To be vigilant is to abstain from internal influences which may cause you to slumber. So God's covering both bases. You've got to make sure that your external influences do not cause you to slumber, and you've got to make sure that your internal influences don't cause you to slumber. We are to abstain from anything which causes us to be sedated as a church. The solution can be found in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 9. The Bible said... You know, the devil as a roaring lion walks about seeking whom he may devour. Then verse 9 says, Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. In other words, quit your whining. and you're not alone. You're not the only one going through it. Amen. Well, Brother Gary, you just don't know how hard it is to live for the Lord in these days. I don't. Am I not in the same generation you're in? Are we not here together? Amen. Do we not watch the same Fox News? Amen. I know how hard it is to live the Christian life these days because I'm here with you. Listen, we're all in this together. We've got to just quit. See, one of those internal influences that causes us to slumber is our own personal excuses. We feed ourselves lines that make us feel comfortable with our lack of service to the Lord. And rather than getting right with God, we excuse ourselves. So, well, you know, and then we just, you know, whatever your excuse is, whatever my excuse is, we excuse ourselves when we should be repenting. We go to sleep when we should be waking up. And then when somebody like me gets up and tries to rattle the cage a little bit, rather than admitting that we're wrong, sometimes we get mad at the mailman, amen? Listen, I'm just trying to deliver the mail this morning. God help us. To not be at ease in Zion. So to be at ease in Zion means to be sedated. It means to be disengaged. Let me move on. It also means to be distanced. To be at distance. To distance ourselves. What do you mean by that, Brother Gary? I'll explain it to you. In Luke chapter 18 and verse 11, the Bible spoke of the Pharisee who stood and prayed thus with himself. And he's over here and, the, and all of the, the little people are over there. He's up here on his own pedestal. He's self-righteous. He's up here. God, I thank Thee that I am not as other men are. They're beneath me. Extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. And he looks over there at a puny, rotten, poor, dirty sinner that ain't as good as him. Raised in self-righteousness, 
and he has, as a religious personality, distanced himself from those who need God the most. You know what happens to a church that is at ease in Zion and we become disengaged? We distance ourselves from those who need our message the most. We raise ourselves up above others when the Bible says for us to not think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. Amen. The Bible teaches us what we should do when we see somebody down there in the ditch. The Bible tells us in Luke chapter 10 and verse 34, it talks about the good Samaritan. He went to the guy that was in the ditch. He said, it bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. That means he jumped down off his high horse. He found the sinner down in the ditch. He crawled down in the ditch with them. That means you got to get down on their level. He picked them up, blood and all, put them on his beast, took them to an inn, paid the bill, and, and told the innkeeper, said, when I return, if he owes anything else, I'm going to pay that too. You know what we've done though as a church when we have become disengaged, when we become at ease in Zion, when we're not reaching our community like the Great Commission tells us to, we have created distance between us and the world. And that's the reason the world can't even connect with us anymore because we have chosen not to connect with them. Somehow we've got this idea and this image of thinking of ourselves too highly and that, that aura, that arrogance, you don't even have to say nothing. People just read it on you. Y'all been around people that are snooty-tooty? Y'all know what I'm talking about? They got their nose up in the air looking down at you. Amen. Y'all know what I'm talking about. They don't have to say a word just by the way they look at you that you know they're looking down on you. You know what? A lot of sinners look at church folk like that. And now some of them are wrong. But not all church folk are like that. Thank God. Amen. I will defend those of us, those of you who are not like that. And let me tell the world, Listen, honey, you cannot take one bad apple and spoil the whole bushel. Amen? But can I say this, church? We've got to be careful not to portray that image to the world. We've got to be careful to go out of our way to get down in the ditch and not just walking by and say, well, uh, it's just going to cost too much. Don't have time. That's somebody else's job. Maybe the preacher should get down in there and do that. You know, Whatever. You know what I'm saying? We've got to get to a point to where we're willing to get down on people's level. I'm not talking about sin like they sin. I'm talking about meet them where they're at. You see, Jesus, when he found you, you know what he did? He met you where you was at. He didn't commit your sin. He came to where you was so he could pull you up out of the miry clay. You see the difference? He met you where you're at. And as long as we keep building standards for people to meet before we'll spend time with them, before we'll talk to them, before we'll make them feel welcome at the house of God, we're not going to win anybody. I thank God for a friendly church. Amen. One thing you have got, I will have to say, is friendliness. And I thank God for that. I so thank God for that. Because you know the one difference that will make all the difference in the world for a lot of people that visit churches today is when they're welcomed with a smile and with a handshake. When they're made to feel welcomed at the house of God. But you know the number one turn off for visitors is when they come to a church and nobody shakes their hand or nobody feels welcome or if they do shake their hand, they look down on them. They, they just come across as, well, who are you to be here? You know, see what I'm saying? We have got to make sure that we make people know that they're welcomed at the house of God. You got to go overdrive with that. Amen. 
And we've got to become engaged in people's lives. And I want to say this, don't wait till they come to church to greet them. Go meet them at the house. Go visit them. You got somebody on your heart you're praying for, when was the last time you paid them a visit? When was the last time you went to see them and let them know you was praying for them? When was the last time you called them up and said, God had you on my heart today? I just wanted to let you know that you're not alone because God is interceding on your behalf through my prayers. And when is the last time you did that? You see, if we would get engaged again, we would reach out and connect with people and it would make all the difference in the world. You've been listening to True North with Pastor Gary Cottle. We're so glad you joined us today for this study in God's Word. Be sure to subscribe to True North on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss a new edition. This broadcast is part of Gary Cottle Ministries, and you can learn more about it and Pastor Gary by visiting our website, GaryCottle.com. That's Gary, C-A-U-D-I-L-L.com. As our time with you comes to an end, we'd like to invite you to partner with us in sharing the good news of Jesus through this ministry. Would you join Pastor Gary in praying for those listening? Prayer for ears to be open and hearts to be receptive to the truth and love found only in God. Please keep Pastor Gary in your prayers as well as he continues to seek God's direction in this ministry. Another way you can be a part of what we're doing is through financial gifts. All amounts are appreciated and useful. Please prayerfully consider your involvement in this way. And if you feel led to give, you can mail a check to Gary Cottle Ministries, 171 White Circle, Louisville, Mississippi, 39339. Thank you for partnering with us. And thank you for listening today to True North.